If you have any topic suggestions that you'd like to hear more about or questions that you're hoping that we could maybe address on a future podcast, you can click the Get in Touch box right on our website at ktsmoneymatters.com. And the Hardworking Woman's Guide to Money, available either on our website, KT's Money Matters, or on Amazon. Or of course, you can find our link in the show notes. Working with your investments, retirement, insurance, estate or tax planning, or just dealing with everyday expenses, your money matters. Let KT Thomas help you make the most of it. This is KT's Money Matters. Hey there, and welcome back. This is KT at KT's Money Matters, coming to you with your tips and quips and ideas about growing money, spending money, saving money, investing money, perhaps. And so we are entering into a new decade. I don't know about you guys, but the 2010s flew by. You know how they say the older you get, the faster time goes by and how you just start blowing through time. Well, I got to tell you, I'm in my later side of the mid 50s. And I got to tell you that since I turned 50, it's like warp speed. So I thought what I would do is if some of you are turning 50 this year and it's the 2020s, how do you make sure that you don't lose your decade in the speed of life? All of that after the break. Happy New Year! 2020 kicks off a new decade. There's been a lot of change around money in the last 10 years since we had a decade turnover. In fact, in 2010, the world seemed bitter and sad. In 2020, it seems like opportunities abound. If your goal in 2020 is to get a handle on your finances, consider my book, The Hardworking Woman's Guide to Money, available on Amazon. Buy it for yourself or for any woman in your life that you love, that you hope, will be able to get some inspiration to take control of their finances and force their own future. So are you turning 50 this year or maybe sometime in the next couple of years? Are you worried about maybe, uh, I don't know, making up for lost time? Maybe you haven't saved as much as you thought you should. Now you're actually starting to think about retirement. Maybe it's five years away or 10 years away or 15 years away, or maybe you've always thought you were never going to retire and you've started to see friends of yours that are a little older retiring or people that you know really well getting sick and maybe having to stop work. The 50s for me has been an eye-opening decade so far. I've had friends die quickly, suddenly. I've had friends of mine get sick and never be able to go back to work. I've had friends of mine decide to change gears in the middle of their life and go in a completely different direction. And I've seen a lot of my friends retire or try to, only to end up coming back to work out of boredom or lack of confidence financially or just never really thought enough in advance about what they would do. So they just weren't really ready. If you're turning 50, I'm probably talking to you guys. Here's what I'll say to you. By the time you get to age 50, the average person who saves for retirement, which we've got to remember, not everybody is able to save for retirement. And some people are just going to work forever. 
But for those of us who've been saving along, putting money in our retirement accounts over and over and over again, we have all gotten to what I think about as critical mass. Critical mass is when you reach a point where you have more money invested than you will accumulate toward retirement between now and retirement. Typically, that happens around age 50. Suddenly, the 401k and the number of years that you've been saving, that money has been stacking up. And if you're smart, you haven't spent it. And you're still putting money in in your paycheck, but the amount of money that you add is small compared to the amount of money that you already have invested. And so you're on that kind of critical mass. It's really important at this point to control direction of what we're doing, not just what we're investing in. Of course, that's always important, but how we're investing. Are we taking advantage of tax advantage savings, like the maximum amount in the 401k plan? Well, at age 50, all of a sudden, I get to do significantly more. See, the government kind of figured out that we were maybe not as prepared as we should be, and they are really looking to have fewer dependents in retirement. So they're encouraging you to save more for retirement now at age 50 than you could do at age 49, and that this will be true, unless, of course, the laws change, and, you know, they could change any time, but this one seems pretty good for a while, in that you can save what's called the catch-up provision. What is the catch-up provision? Like I said, the government wants you to be self-supporting to your own contributions in retirement, and they're going to allow you to put an extra $6,500 annually into your retirement account if it's a 401k, a 403b, a 457 plan. But we're going to talk about a 401k plan right now just because I think that that is the majority plan of choice. So let's say I'm working and I'm 49 years old. I can put on a pre-tax basis in my 401k plan at work. $19,500 per year. Now, it's usually described as some percentage of your paycheck, but just think the total amount you could put in is $19,500. The year I turn 50, that number jumps in 2020 to $26,000. That extra $6,500 shows up in a lot of other retirement plans as well. So things like Roth IRAs have catch-up provisions, regular IRAs. And even your health savings account. That's right. This is the account where you put money in to pay your health care expenses. So this means that suddenly you could put a lot more money into retirement. Now, some of you are going to say to me, that's all fine and good, KT, but I don't have any extra money. I have kids in college. I have money going out. How could I save more now? And so this show isn't for everybody, but for those of you who could afford a little bit more savings for retirement and get that they want to retire earlier, and are really focused and committed around this goal, increasing your 401k or 403b or TSA or IRA or Roth IRA, not only saves you more money toward retirement, but it lowers your tax liability in 2020. So saves you money today and it saves money for later. Another thing you might want to consider as you kind of get into what I like to call the glide path to retirement, which is like, you know, the 10 years prior to retirement. During this time, there are some major decisions that need to be made. I always think about number two is what kind of debt will I take with me into retirement? So you guys have heard me talk about this in various shows, the idea of aligning your mortgage payment to be paid off when you retire. I've done a lot of talking about this, you know, the fact that You know, it used to be that very few people retired with a mortgage and now something like between 25 and 30% of Americans retire with a mortgage and what a drain that is on retirement income spending. The only way to make this one go better though is to be proactive about it before retirement. 
So at age 50, this might be, if you haven't looked at it, a great time to look at it. First, am I in my forever home? Or do I think this is my forever home? Secondly, how many years do I have left on my mortgage? And what's the difference between that and my retirement year? So let's say I want to retire in 10 years, but I have 15 years left on my mortgage. Well, I would figure out how much more money do I need to pay on my mortgage over the next 10 years to ensure that it is paid when I retire. That's what I mean. You're cleaning the debris out of the way. This is the work that we're doing in the glide path. We're making this make more sense for us. I'm looking at other things too, boat loans, credit card debt, home equity lines of credit, student loans that we're paying for for our children, whatever it is that we've decided that we do. I look for all of those things at this time to say, what is in the way of me and my retirement? And on the debt side, what's in the way is the debt. Because if 40% of your cash flow, which is what the average cost of the cash drain is for a retiree, if they have a mortgage liability or other debt, it's just too much. To know that 40% of your income needs to go to just keeping a roof over your head, too much money. So when your income goes down, you need to be able to reduce your expenses. And so if your expenses are the same and your income is down, your spending rate will be too significant. That's what keeps people working. They work because they know they couldn't carry the debt service in retirement. So if your real plan is to retire, and now you're really honing in on it, you want to ally the payoff of your liabilities with the end of your higher earning years. Third thing, I like to think about this as retirement pre-planning. Here, I want you to take more of a bigger picture. I want you to think, am I in my forever home or am I not in my forever home? Is part of my plan downsizing, moving, establishing a second home. I don't want to be doing these things coming right into retirement. I want to understand how those pieces might matter to me over the course of the next, not just 10 years while I'm working, but the next 30 or 40 years, because I'm going to have to be able to live with that throughout retirement. So what I'll say to you if you're over 50 is you don't buy anything you can't sustain. So second home, could I afford to pay both homes once I'm retired? If you can't, you probably shouldn't. In fact, I wouldn't. I'd just rent. You know, if I wanted to go away for the winter, which I love to do, i just rent somebody else's house. Why? Because I don't want to have to carry a second home in retirement. That's just not my speed. It's okay if it's your speed, but you can't decide to do that five years before retirement and finance it for 30 years. Because basically what you'll be is too house poor instead of just house poor. Am I going to downsize? And what's that actually going to mean? Am I going to shrink the square footage of my house, but then move into a senior community where my expenses might actually go up? So downsizing, most people think about downsizing is the size of your house, but a lot of people in finance thinks that it also means less liabilities. But you want to make sure that that downsizing that you're planning, if it's leading to more liabilities, you have some way to manage that or that it's actually going to lead to less liabilities. Because selling an old big house that needs lots of work and buying a brand new condo in a gated community might not actually be cheaper. It might be smaller, but it might not be cheaper. So you want to know what the cost of those ideas are going to be to your finances and whether or not they're supportable long-term. 
Because once you stop working, your ability to have control over some of these things kind of changes. And that's the thing that pushes people back into working because they become afraid. You know, what happens when I go to start to spend my own money and I can't put it back? And those are reasonable fears, but it's not a reason to work forever. And so if you don't look at them now and kind of say, how will I address these? Then that will always be the thing that forces you to work a little longer. And do people work longer? Yeah, they do. I have people come in my office every single year that we're going to retire at 62 saying to me, well, I figured out it's probably going to be 65 or, or I'm going to stay longer or I'm 67. Maybe I'll stay till I'm 70. And, you know, when I was 40, I never believed that would ever happen. But I got to tell you that at 56, I hear it all the time and I see it all of the time. People thinking they're going to retire, thinking they can't wait till they get out and then they get closer and they can't figure out what they're going to do when they get out, and they don't like the idea of spending their money, and they stay in. So part of it is, in the pre-planning process, is coming to terms with what it's going to look like, and then also having the confidence of understanding what that means, and whether or not it's affordable. And then if you decide to work longer than that, what are you going to get for the time that you invest beyond the time that you had to invest? I always say this to clients, I say, what else could we have? What are we going to get by working longer? Are we going to get more money? Well, more money is only valuable to you if you're going to use it. If you already have enough money for retirement, then more money to you is more money for your kids. It's not really your money. So if you say, well, I'm building my kids' inheritance and that's what I want to do with the money. Okay, I'm in a no judgment zone. I want to travel more. I want to have that extra money for discretionary travel. Okay, I can have a more, you know, comfortable retirement if I have more money versus just the money that I need. Those are all good reasons to work longer. But what you want to know is understand the trade-off of what will I get for what I'm going to give up, which by the way, what you're giving up is the time to do what you want when you likely have both your health and your partner and money. And that's not a very big window for many people. Something happens to one of you or the other, and then all of a sudden all the trip planning goes the way of the dodo and you don't get to use that time. So understand that what you're bargaining is the time when I have resources, I have my partner and I have my health, which can be a very short window. Once you've had a chance to ruminate on all of that, this is the time to start really looking at retirement income cash flow. Now you can look at all these beautiful charts and blah, blah, blah. Many of them you can get on the internet or you can get this work done from a financial professional or sometimes your 401k plan will have some of this information on their site. They want to show you like just how big your money's going to be and how great you're going to feel. However, really what I like is something called the retirement income paycheck. This says, where will my money come from each and every month? How much will I get from this? How much will I get from pension? How much will I get from social security? How much can I take from my investment account without pillaging it? And then that stacks it up against what I think my expenses are going to be and basically says to me, do I have enough money to meet my expenses? Could I spend an extra 10 grand a year? Would it still be okay? Could I retire early? Would it still be okay? Could I buy a second home? Would it still be okay? That it's time to start pushing these major financial decisions through the funnel of long-term affordability and retirement. The good news is if you start this in your 50s, you have time to look at things like, what's it all look like? What options do I have to do social security maximization between my spouse and I? 
there are lots of different ways to structure how your social security income is received in order to get the most income or the most guaranteed income for the life of both of you. There's a lot of ways to look at that. Same thing with pension choices. There are a lot more pension choices available today to look at how you structure cash flow. You can look at things like what will be the true living expenses of your new your new or your current home based on how you live today and forecasting that into the future. And that just gives you a track to run on. And that's what I mean about the glide path. It basically lets you know where you are every year compared to your goals, where you want to be compared to your goals, and what you could do to cure the difference. If you're 50 or over, knowledge is power. I talked a little bit about it, but you know, sometimes there's this life-changing event that forces somebody into retirement sooner than they had planned. This is, you know, your company closed. This could be the 2008 meltdown of the financial markets that pushed a whole bunch of people out of long-term jobs and into early retirement, which was masked as what we call unemployment. And then your inability to find another job because you're being discriminated against because you're not as young as you used to be or illness of you or your partner that could take away your ability to earn more income. It's really important to understand how all these pieces come together so that if you need to make a change, you know where you are so that you can look at that change and apply it. I like to say sometimes life comes at you fast. And this this last 10 years is any sign. Here's what I'll say to you. Wow, the next 10 years are gonna fly. Until we speak again. Thanks for listening to KT's Money Matters with KT Thomas. For more information, past episodes, and show notes, go to www.ktsmoneymatterspodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe and recommend it at iTunes, Overcast, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.